Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. Tropicana Field has been home to the Tampa Bay Rays since 1998. But the stadium and surrounding parking lots were once a neighborhood. The gas plant neighborhood was the heart of St. Petersburg's African-American community for decades. In the early 80s, it was raised to make room for the ballpark. Residents were moved, promises were made about economic benefits, but many of those promises were never kept. After years of discussion, the city is getting ready to redevelop Tropicana Field's site. The city has selected a short list of proposals. Public comment begins next week. Now, whether the raise will be part of that development is a discussion of its own, and we'll do that on a future Florida Matters. But today, we're going to focus on the legacy of the gas plant neighborhood and the promises made to St. Petersburg's black residents. Gwendolyn Reese has lived in St. Pete all her life, and she has a special connection to the gas plant area. She's president of the African-American History Association of St. Petersburg, and she was also on a committee that picked the shortlist of redevelopment proposals. Starting off, I'm just curious if you've had a chance to look over these proposals for the TROP site and for what was the, the gas plant neighborhood and what you think about them, and do you think that they honor the heritage of, of that neighborhood and of the Black community in St. Pete? I feel that overall the proposal is a very good proposal from the uh, principles of agreement that, you know, to the actual RFP in that it is very respectful and aware and inclusive of the history of what happened uh, in that area. Um, Very inclusive of equity in the proposals and equity from from the writing of the proposals through to the completion of the project. It requires uh, a connection of the history with the current development. I, uh, I couldn't be more pleased with RFP. I think it's a wonderful opportunity if it's done right, to sort of, you can't make up, but to express to the African-American community an awareness of an understanding of what happened there as opposed to whitewashing it or omitting it from history or ignoring it altogether, which is primarily what has been done. So when I lead tours of the African-American Heritage Trail, we sweep by the stadium and we talk about that. And people are always so surprised to learn about the community that existed there and what happened to those over 200 homes, over 30 businesses, somewhere between 18 and 13 churches and schools. All of that uh, was demolished to make way for uh, for Tropicana Field. And initially, that is not even what they said they were going to do. Right. Initially, you know, it was supposed to be light industry. And so um, people felt as though that was going to benefit them, improve their lives, better homes, better uh, uh, employment opportunities. And I say very clearly and unequivocally that they never intended to do that, and that was a lie. And so within a few years, the story changed, and all of a sudden it was, we want a baseball stadium. St. Pete has been uh, obsessed 
with baseball since the 20s. They've always wanted baseball. And so I've always felt in my heart that was always the intention for that area. They just didn't think that would go over quite well at the time. Right. So you were born and raised in the gas plant neighborhood. I wasn't born in it. I'm a native of St. Pete. Right. I was born, um, delivered by a midwife in a house right behind Mercy Hospital. But when I was about two years old, I guess, my parents uh, rented an apartment at 1305 Fifth Avenue South. And I was there until I was in fifth grade. So I, I spent, before my parents spent their, built their first home. So I spent my young years, yes, in the gas plant area. What do you remember about that time? It's interesting. I have done about 12 Zoom interviews with people who have lived experiences I do. And I did it as a part of the Tropicana Field Redevelopment and the Harvard Bloomberg uh, Initiative. And it's, it's so it's wonderful to have these conversations with people because we all have these joyous, incredible memories of our lives in the gas plant area. Um, And I'm not saying, because my parents, we lived in an apartment building that had two apartments upstairs and two apartments downstairs. Um, So we're not talking money, but we're talking happiness. We're talking unity. We're talking community. We're talking knowing people, knowing your neighbors, helping your neighbors out. Um, We're talking about that village we often refer to when we talk about it takes a village to raise a child. Well, the gas plant area was a village. And uh, for for us, I talked to the Boston brothers and they (laughs) they talk about skinny dipping in Booker's Creek. And I talked to, you know, I talked to so many people with wonderful memories, and we all do. I used to walk to school with my librarian who lived in the area and didn't have a car. And as she walked up Fifth Avenue going to 16th Street Elementary, I just walk out the house and walk on up with her. Uh, no, no locked doors. Um, just, I know there was poverty there. But, you know, money isn't everything. And I think for those of us living in that community, it was more about the joy and the unity and the family and the, you know, that's what it was all about. And we have wonderful memories. You know, that's what we've heard as we've been talking to people for this show and putting putting the show together is that it's that sense of community and the fact that it still has that power for people in St. Pete, even today, even 40 some years after it was after it was raised to build Tropicana Field. And that's the thing that that I, I imagine that as you're involved with the city in this process of, of picking a plan for the site that you want people to remember, regardless if they're from St. Petersburg, if they're a tourist, if there's somebody who's moved here from somewhere else, that they understand what this meant to the black community in St. Petersburg for so long. And, you know, Often it's talked about it was um, they they refer to the whole neighborhood as having been blighted. That's not the case. The entire neighborhood was not blighted. Miss Thelma had the, the cutest little bungalow house with a fence and all the flowers she planted in her yard. I lived in between Dr. Ponder, who was the first black physician in St. Pete, Dr. Homer Williams, Dr. B.F. Jones, who was a dentist, Mike Ray, the owners of Mike Ray Funeral Home, Mr. Polk, who was one of the presidents at Gibbs High, Mr. Bill Williams, who was the only black person with a business on Central Avenue, the only one 
one. And so what we had was a mixed income neighborhood. And it angers me when people want to describe it as a completely blighted area. It was not. Many of the homes I just named for you were two-story yellow and red brick homes that were almost like mansions in the day. And so we had a lot of rental property and they have to understand that that rental property was owned by white slum landlords. But we also had some black folk who owned their homes and kept, uh, and they were proud of their homes. And we had manicured lawns and other things. So it's really a challenging for me to accept this umbrella stereotype that the entire area was blighted because it was not. I know one of the issues that's come up recently is there's been some some discussion that there might be unmarked graves or, or hidden graves in the in the parking lot of Tropicana Field. And I know there are archaeologists who are uh, working on that right now. Yes. If graves are found, what do you think should happen, and how should that be uh, integrated into the into the redevelopment? Well, it's primarily in the parking lot that's on the west side of 16th Street more than anything else. And um, there was a housing project over there, but we also had a cemetery. So if you go west of 16th Street and then south of Fifth Avenue, there was also a cemetery there. So there are two or three. I think if those bodies are there, they need to be exhumed and buried with dignity and respect. And if there is no way to identify them, then they still deserve a marker. And the marker needs to tell the story of what happened, you know, why they're not identified, because the the cemetery was paved over and and, uh, information has been lost. But I think every body deserves a resting place, and they deserve to be recognized. And that's just another way of acknowledging um, what has happened in the history of the city, just as we recently acknowledged the lynchings that have taken place when we unveiled the lynching memorial last month. So as as the city starts moving into this process of you know, public comment on these four, the short list of four, four proposals, what do you hope that Mayor Kreisman and the other city leaders kind of keep in mind as, as they near a decision on how to redevelop this site and honor the, the history of the gas plant neighborhood? Well, I feel like the mayor is right there. I do. Um, I think his RFP and everything that he's said and done around this proposal says he's there. City council, I don't know. So what I hope that they will hold in mind is the wonderful opportunity that this presents to show um, all of the community, not just the African-American community, to first of all, recognize the history. And there are many, history has dark, dark spots in it, but we can't avoid it. So number one, to recognize the history, to acknowledge what was done, And there are ways to do that in this redevelopment. So what we're hoping, and I'm hoping particularly, is that and working to have African-Americans actively engaged in this process. So now you don't have to read the whole proposal. There'll be an executive summary, which will be a little easier to read, and that people will go in and put comments online, talk about, highlight the things that they see in these proposals that that they agree with or they think is respectful and inclusive of the history, attend some of the, I think there's one virtual and two public meetings. Um, But I really, you can't complain about something if you didn't get involved in it and add your voice 
Um, so what I am hoping is that African-Americans will add their voice to this um, and make comments on it and that they will write letters to their council people and to the mayor uh, if they feel very strongly about something and stay with the process from here all the way through. So that's my hope because if, if people don't hear our voices, they will not know what's important to us. They will not know how meaningful this is to us. They will not understand the pain and trauma that we're still experiencing from these historical events that took place in our community. And this is the first step towards reconciliation, towards understanding and towards healing the past so that um, our future will look a little, a, little, a whole lot better um, than our, our past did. This is just such a wonderful opportunity for our city to, to really um, step into the 21st century in a way uh, of leadership and as, and as an example to other cities across the country. If we do it right, we have opportunity. It's just, will we do it? Uh, I really appreciate you talking with us. It was great meeting you and I hope we can uh, chat again sometime. Okay, thank you. Gwendolyn Reese is president of the African-American History Association of St. Petersburg. This is Florida Matters. Our discussion continues in just a moment. You're listening to Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. I'm Bradley George. Today we're talking about redevelopment of the Tropicana Field site in St. Petersburg and honoring the heritage of the gas plant neighborhood which once stood there. Terry Lipsy Scott arrived in St. Pete in the early 1980s as the neighborhood was being torn down. She worked for the city for three decades and is now director of the Carter G. Woodson African American Museum. I know you arrived in St. Pete in the early 80s just as uh, the gas plant neighborhood was being uh, uprooted and raised to, to build what eventually would become Tropicana Field. I wonder if you can think back to that time and remember what what that was like, particularly for the black residents of this uh, of this neighborhood that was just just flattened to build the stadium. I arrived here in St. Petersburg in 1981, and shortly thereafter, I was employed by the St. Petersburg Housing Authority. So, needless to say, they played a tremendous role in the relocation of many of the residents of that community. And with that, it was. It was a very, very interesting time in as much as individuals were leaving what they had become very familiar to, a community that resembled family, friends. And it's difficult to uproot folks from their familiarity. And with that, it was difficult for many of them. Um, There were not only renters in that space, but there were homeowners as well. But more importantly, it represented community, and it was a dismantling of a community. So it was it was very difficult for many of them. You mentioned people relocated. What kind of assistance, financial or otherwise, did the city or other entities provide to these folks as they were being moved out of this this community? Well, in fact, they were all compensated 
even the renters. They were all compensated. And there were individuals on board at the city, in fact, during that time, who were responsible for the relocation efforts. The Housing Authority played a role to some degree with regards to providing the list and names of potential landlords for those who were looking for other rental opportunities. But in large part, there was a team in place to assist in each and every one of the residents in that area being successfully relocated. Moving forward to today, and uh, it seems like the city could be getting close to making a decision about what happens to this site, and they have this short list of, of, uh, of proposals for redevelopment. I wonder if you've, if you've looked at those proposals, and if so, what, what do you think of them? I looked at the proposals, and to be quite honest with you, I, I still feel a sense of prematurity in this entire process. The Rays has an agreement with the city through 2027, and they have yet to speak with regards to what exactly they're looking to do or achieve or not achieve here in this community. But more importantly, I have a sense of concern, if you will, that we may be finding ourselves navigating down a similar path of promises made, yet promises unkept. When we look at um, the global perspective of what was and what's to come, there are voices that are still absent from the process. I've had several individuals and a developer and the like reach out to me with regard to how I feel about this project. And I have very, very strategically identified individuals who live that experience. I didn't. And I think it's important that we get it right from the perspective of hearing from those who have lived experiences of the gas plant area and make certain that their voices are heard and implementing in some type way an opportunity for a historical context to be maintained and the rebuild, if you will, or redesign or recapturing the community from a strong perspective. And that's an important point because, as you said, the people who live in this neighborhood, they might have received financial compensation, but those community bonds that that tie people together, that's not something that you can that you can fix with money or, or, or some, you know, uh, material goods. Um, that that's, that's kind of more the intangible thing, right? Is, is, is Most kind of, definitely. So what do you think the city should do to make sure that those voices and that that sense of community is part of whatever happens to this, uh, to this area? Well, at this point, I think it's critically important that it's at least documented this time. Because some folks have such short memories that they fail to remember the promises that are made. So to memorialize and crystallize the opinions, the desires, and the plans that they have for this area in such a way that it can't be recanted. So those things that are important to individuals who have lived that experience or who have memories of what that community represents, I think it's important that their voices are heard. And like I said, it's memorialized in a document with regards to what you're going to promise this time with hopes that it'll stand true to being exactly what it is you're offering a community. 
this time around. I know uh, Mayor Kreisman has talked in kind of general terms about making sure that the, the community's voices are heard, but what would you like to see him and the city council and the other stakeholders do as they move forward to this process? I know you talk about, you know, document accountability, having some kind of something in writing about the promises that are made, but what else do you think that they need to do in terms of engaging with this community, engaging with the folks who were part of the gas plant neighborhood before it was uh, destroyed? The buzzwords of the day are diversity and inclusion. We diversify these panels from the perspective of race, but needless to say, it likes the true inclusion that we reference. So I'm thinking the inclusion has to be represented as a result of voices being heard with the, and I, and I hate to use the word demand, but with the requests, a firm request, that this time it becomes far more inclusive, that jobs in fact will come as a result of this particular project that housing will in fact occur and be made available for residents who, if not the ones who once lived there, maybe their ancestors now, you know, that they were coming behind them. It's just such a hard sell for so many of the members of the African-American community. It's not unlike the vaccinations (laughs) for African-Americans. There's so, so little trust with regards to what's being offered. So I just think it's important that we stay true this time to any commitments that we make. And like I said, memorialize it in such a way that you can't be short-sighted or forget what you've promised folks in the past. I know there had been talk in the past of, uh, of a push for reparations for St. Petersburg's Black community for the destruction of of the gas plant neighborhood. Do you think that should be part of the conversation as the city moves towards a decision for what to do with the site? I don't know. I believe reparations are owed to African-Americans. Regarding this project, I can't say to that extent that reparations would be owed because so many of the residents during that time were in fact renters. Many of them were not homeowners. Are they owed the respect of the displacement of a community, some would say most definitely. Others would think that their living conditions in fact were enhanced. However, that sense of community was indeed lost. So there are two variables there that I certainly take into consideration because many of those folks in that, during that time lived in squalor They were renting places that were less than desirable and certainly not decent living accommodations. And again, those who were relocated were done so in a very professional manner. And they were placed in housing that was far nicer than where they came from. I would just like to hope that there's a sense of honesty associated with what's promised this time. And what was promised before were jobs. Right. Were pro- for jobs. <laughs> what's for- and that's the only thing that's going to provide a sense of overcoming poverty. And that's having work. And so I am really, really hopeful that this time 
the promises will be kept where people will be able to actually become gainfully employed and not just for a moment, not part-time jobs that's offered at a baseball stadium that's seasonal as well, but something that can lend to actually becoming a homeowner at this point in their life, that they can actually sustain themselves and their families. And I think that's what's critical. I know there's been talk in the last week, and I know that there will be uh, archaeologists looking in one of the parking lots for unmarked graves around the stadium. If graves are found, what do you think? Uh, what do you think should happen then? And that's a tough call for me. I, I believe that those who've passed should be able to rest in peace. And if there are graves, then they should be respectfully relocated and positioned where they can, in fact, not be disturbed ever again. You know, it's interesting. I moved down here from Atlanta about two years ago, and I was I was in Atlanta for the um, the discussions around the construction of the new stadium for the Atlanta Falcons, which is huge. Mm-hmm. It cost over a billion dollars, and it was a similar situation where the construction of that stadium displaced a black neighborhood. And I wonder, you know, this is a St. Petersburg issue, but it's St. Petersburg isn't the only city that, that, that's, that's contended with this. What do you think needs to change in America where we get away from this tendency of developers and political leaders to come into black and brown communities and basically take the land and make promises about jobs to build things like sports stadiums and then those promises never come. And as you said, that sense of community, those community bonds are destroyed. What do you think needs to change to stop that more systemic problem? It's a mindset because here we are in 2021 and individuals are still devaluing the lives and the communities of African-Americans. There is so little value associated with even the history of African-Americans. Um, Just a few years ago, I was fighting tooth and nail up until just a few months ago, trying to preserve St. Petersburg's first developed African-American public housing community, Jordan Park. The historical significance associated with just those 31 units spoke volumes. Um, The first Black chief of staff for Bayfront Medical Center grew up in that public housing community. Angela Bassett grew up in that public housing community. Kenny Leon grew up in that neighborhood and so many others. But there was no value associated with the preservation of the African-American history and what those communities represent or what they produced. So it grieves me to the extent that until Black lives matter, From every perspective, we will consistently be challenged with once again taking away that that folks perceive had no value. Whether it's the lives of people or their livelihoods or their neighborhoods, until we can see clearly and with some degree of passion and commitment that Black Lives Matter we will forever encounter this dilemma. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. It was nice meeting you. I hope we can uh, chat again sometime. And you as well. Thank you. 
Terry Lipsy Scott is executive director of the Carter G. Woodson African American Museum. The city of St. Petersburg's first public comment meeting on redeveloping the Tropicana Field site is Monday, April 5th. You can find out how to attend and see pictures and video of the redevelopment plans at WUSFnews.org. That's Florida Matters for this week. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Bradley George. Thank you for listening.